Welcome to the AccuSmile Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. At least 80% of us, 75 to 80% of us are wounded healer archetypes, meaning that we've had some sort of wounding oftentimes between the ages of zero and 17 that we have wanted to overcome and have sort of become this, or we were born this perhaps, with this desire to heal ourselves and thereby go on to help other people heal or 
to continue to heal ourselves and heal, help other people heal, which is also great and fine. But we don't take a look at what that might look like as a business person. Instead, we take the business model of how to be a business person. But we don't take this into account that we have a trauma response to walking into a crowded room or a trauma response to a patient who's having a trauma response. Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. Welcome back to the show, AccuSprouts. Today's episode is a Mindset Monday episode. I keep getting all of these requests to bring some Mindset Monday episodes back, so here you go. So lately, I have really been taking a look at my life again. This this tiger year has has taken me for a, a run, basically. I can't even. I, I I hesitate to even say that this is the most disruptive year I've had since I started my practice, which I started I think like 2018. Um, you know, had a good year in 2019 pandemic in 2020, and then it just keeps going from there. But this year has been not in bad ways, mostly in like, oh, it's sort of writing itself, writing, upwriting itself, you know, and I'm literally in the river's current. I, I have just, just totally thrown up my hands and just said, just, just take me and do what I'm supposed to be doing where I'm supposed to be doing it. That that is in alignment with what I need and and how I can best serve people. So I'm in that current right now, which involves so many changes and so many things going on. And it's also caused me to take a look at and reevaluate my practice again, which I think that we should do all the time and uh, make sure that we're in alignment and that we're happy and that our personal lives are fulfilled as well as our professional lives. And so... I've been kind of, I've sort of stepped back and taken a look at the way that I practice and have really observed that many of my challenges with business and with treating patients are centered around trauma. And I, I have been really spending a lot of time studying trauma and my own trauma and how to help people heal from trauma and what trauma looks like as a practitioner and what trauma looks like as a business person. And I think that we've really, so many of us go to school and when we come out, we're just shaking in our boots about business. And I think we feel ill-equipped because how, how can we possibly get enough in school to go launch a practice or even be an independent contractor you you don't and that's just the answer like we do have like I know some schools are really great at the business aspect but I think what's missing in the business aspect is that at least 80 percent of us 75 to 80 percent of us are wounded healer archetypes meaning that we've had some sort of wounding oftentimes between the ages of zero and 17 that we have wanted to overcome and have sort of become this, or we were born this perhaps, with this desire to heal ourselves and thereby go on to help other people heal, or to continue to heal ourselves and heal, help other people heal, which is also great and fine. But we don't take a look at what that might look like as a business person. 
Instead, we take the business model of how to be a business person, but we don't take this into account that we have a trauma response (laughs) to walking into a crowded room or a trauma response to a patient who's having a trauma response. And so I've done a lot of deep work on this lately. And so I'm going to do a little series and really talk about this more for those of you who seem challenged or maybe hadn't even considered that this was a possibility because I really honestly didn't consider that this was a possibility. I don't know why. I think maybe because I'm not in my 30s or in my 20s. And we now have some really great psychological theories and ways of healing trauma and healing past wounds that were not available um, when I was seeking help. What was available when I was seeking help in my 30s was didactic Um, cognitive behavioral therapy where you talk about things, which honestly just drives the groove into the record, which also dates me, right? It drives the groove or it drives that neuropathway, that trauma neuropathway even deeper. It doesn't, I, I didn't find it helpful, but I'm finding some other ways of working through my own trauma that are very helpful. And a lot of it I'm doing, I can and am doing on my own. Some of it I need help with, but I wanted to talk about this in business, I want to help you in business because I think this is a really big missing link and I don't think anybody's talking about this. So I want to talk to you about it. So we're going to talk today about the wounded healer. We're going to talk about the wounded healer in practice and maybe some of the challenges that we might encounter as a wounded healer in practice or that we do encounter. I would say the three most common challenges that wounded healers incur in practice And then I have another episode coming up, which is the Wounded Healer in Business. So be sure to subscribe if this is ringing some bells for you or if this resonates with you so that you don't miss that episode. So to start off with, I'm going to talk about the Wounded Healer and where that um, and talk about where that definition came from. And then we'll go into the three things that most practitioners are challenged with. So first of all, the, the term wounded healer actually came from Greek mythology. So Chiron, who is a centaur, which is half man and half human, sorry, <laughs> duh, which is half man and half horse, was actually the product of a rape, which is interesting timing, right? <laughs> and because he was born sort of this monster to a nymph, actually, who was not half horse, she and she was... And, and he was born as a product of rape, she was horrified and she abandoned her baby. Now, this shepherd named Apollo found the baby and raised the baby. And Apollo is actually the god of light and enlightenment. And Apollo taught this young centaur the art of medicine, herbs, music, archery, hunting, gymnastics, and prophecy. And Apollo knew that most centaurs actually were really wild and drank a little too much and kind of were a little raucous. And so he taught, uh, he taught Chiron how to be more gentle and grounded. And Chiron became known for his knowledge and skill with medicine and was actually credited with the discovery of herbology and medicine. And he went on to train a lot of the heroes of that time. And later in life, one of his students came to visit him where he lived in a cave amongst the other centaurs. And somehow there was a misunderstanding and it turned into a battle and Hercules accidentally shot Chiron in the leg with a 
a poison arrow that would kill a human. But since he was a demigod, since Chiron was a demigod, he was just injured forever, for a long time. And he went on this journey to heal himself and was just in agony for the longest time and was unable to heal himself. So he begged Zeus to allow him to die. And Zeus took pity on him and exchanged him for Prometheus, who was actually dying. Prometheus is the god who gave us fire. But so he exchanged Chiron for Prometheus and then allowed him to die and then honored him by putting him in the stars. And now that constellation is known as Centaurus. So you have this wounded healer archetype. So the feelings associated with this archetype are lovability, intelligence, attractiveness, the ability to take care of oneself or be independent, being good enough, basically enoughness, perfectionism and self-worth. And often I found in like our day, our language, a lot of self-proclaimed empaths are really wounded healers who have developed their senses uniquely to survive. So I'm very much like this, and I know a lot of you also are, but like things like feeling a room or a person or seeing things that other people don't or knowing what other people are truly thinking or feeling. So oftentimes as children, we may have had to read the room before we walked through it because we were either physically or sexually abused by family or we might have learned to know how someone feels just by the way they move through the room or even open a door. And we might also recognize a parent or sibling on the edge of some sort of meltdown and found that if we do or say something special, we could not only get love, right, but also change the potential outcome of that mood. So we sort of develop these extrasensory, this extrasensory awareness to survive our situation, which later is very, which is, which is really very useful when working as a healer. I often... Honestly, I often just know what points to use, especially if I palpate or touch someone. And I often know when someone feels worse or better than they're letting on. And I know the second someone shifts when the needles are in because I can feel it in my body. So this and this this doesn't just happen for me in clinic. This happens everywhere. But because I use it in clinic, because it is a gift, if I keep my panic monster at bay and the imposter syndrome monster quiet, treating patients just flows for me. But it's actually, but it is a double-edged sword. What we need to do is look for ways to allow these wounds and use our powers to help others heal, all while honoring our ongoing processes of not being perfect, yet being perfectly lovable because of it. I'm going to say that again. We really need to honor our own ongoing processes of not being perfect, yet being perfectly lovable, which I think so many of us don't feel. (laughs) You are perfectly lovable because you are not perfect. You are perfectly lovable (laughs) because you are not perfect. And you need to honor that. So there's this other piece that I think is really important, especially in our current world climate, (laughs) We really need to understand that we all have different ways of dealing with trauma, but trauma is innate and it is obvious, 
but, and you have become a healer probably because of trauma, or it's just part of the picture, but we also really need to understand that many humans who are also wounded do not actually become healers. They become people who wound. And because they were disempowered, which we were too, but they're different, they crave control and power and often gain that by wounding others. Now, as healers, we need to understand that we are uniquely gifted in helping those wounded wounders similarly heal their traumas and thereby potentially healing others instead of hurting them. Please listen. If you're doing anything, listen to this because we are a big part of the solution for what is happening now. We were born for this, born for it. If you are a wounded healer, you were totally born for this moment. And I'm going to help you with your business and help you get there. We need to understand that many humans who were also wounded do not become healers. They become people who wound because they were disempowered. They crave control and power. And I, some of us do still too, right? Don't you crave a little control? Don't you feel a little more comfortable if you think you're in control? If you think you have a little bit of power, but because they were disempowered, they crave control and power and often gain that by wounding others. As healers, we need to understand that we, us, us, wounded healers, we are it. Phoenix rising, we got this. We are uniquely gifted, so uniquely gifted for helping those wounded wounders similarly heal their traumas and thereby potentially they may heal others instead of hurting them. Please remember that. So in my experience with working with other practitioners and being a wounded healer myself, I've identified three ways wounded healers sort of go wrong in practice. So these are just some things to think about when you begin your practice or maybe you're already in your practice. Some things to take a look at and perhaps write down and then start working on them. So the, f the, first, the three things that people tend to do if you're a wounded healer, you tend to overcompensate, number one. Number two, you potentially often have feelings of low self-worth. I think we all do, but this is a definite amongst wounded healers. Number three, we have a great desire to help, such a huge desire to help, but we tend to have poor boundaries. So let's take a look at number one, overcompensation. So. New practitioners are especially vulnerable to this pattern because they often have a high level of imposter syndrome, right? So, which is so completely normal, but our reaction because of our past trauma is not commensurate with the challenge. So in other words, our reaction to feeling a little bit like we don't quite know enough or have enough is that we tend to overcompensate and it tends to be a little greater than actually what the challenge is asking for. So we tend to overgive and try too hard, which really can, you guys are already tired from school, it can really lead to burnout pretty quickly. Or some of us become frozen, right? Because this feels traumatic, this feels hard, this feels like way too much. And so then you don't perform the things that you know will bring you more patience and create more success. I hate the term self-sabotage because I don't think anybody wants to sabotage themselves. I think that's crazy. I have never jumped on that self-sabotage train. But 
I think sometimes our response to trauma or our response to what this might feel like, so we don't feel like enough. And so then we become overwhelmed with all the things that we need to do to be enough and we freeze. So number two are feelings of low self-worth. Mm-mm-mm. That's me. I, I, just so you know, all, all of this is me too. Like all of it. So feelings of low self-worth, like questions like, why would anyone come see me? I can't charge that much. Why can I, are you kidding me? I can't charge that much. I don't want to put, I don't want, I don't put them on a treatment plan because I want to earn their trust first. Like letting them decide that you're good enough instead of you knowing that this is what they need. You're just letting them decide whether you're good enough or not. I didn't ask them if they wanted to reschedule. I didn't ask them for a Google review, even though they were so happy about getting better. Oh my God, ask for the Google review. (laughs) I didn't ask them if they had friends who might like my services. I can't start a practice. I don't know enough. You tend to get stuck in perfection. Mm, That's my favorite. That's not my favorite, actually, but that's my go-to perfection. Perfection freezes me. I'm the slowest human climbing the ladder of success ever. I'm like the turtle, which is cool, right? (laughs) So perfectionism. It feels like you're failing a patient even though they're getting better because you're being so hard on yourself. And I need to learn more before I can dut, dut, dut. Mm, It's exhausting, this low self-worth, isn't it? So number three, another thing that Wounded healers have challenges with. So having a great desire to help people, man, my desire, I, it wakes me up at night. Like, what can I do? What can I do? But you tend to, we tend to have poor boundaries. So you tend to give too much, you tend to share too much. How about this one? You care more than the patient does. Ask yourself that. If they're not actually doing what you're telling them to do and you keep telling them, you probably care more than they do. And in that case, you've got to figure out what to do with that because that is just like energy, your energy flying out the window for no good. Tends to make you burn out early. So think about people who, oh, the boundaries. You tend to think about the patient on your personal time, not in a creepy way, but more of like, ooh, what else can I do? Or mm, I need to research this article, or I wonder what that drug is, or I wonder if I should try this, or mm, gosh, you've got to figure out how to shut the door when you go and you leave practice. Studies for hours about one case. I am so guilty of this. I used to get, when I didn't really have that many patients, I would spend seven hours studying one case. I'm fairly certain that working on your website and writing blogs would be far more productive than that. You run over appointment time to do one more thing. That is such a bad, you just, all of this is just energy, so much energy. You don't collect no-show fees and you don't have a cancellation policy. These are really poor boundaries. So if any of this resonates with you, I just want you to know that the majority of healers whom I have met actually have this archetype. It is super common. So lean into it. You can learn how to do this. You just need to learn what's in your way a little bit first, and then we can start dealing with ways with which you can move forward. So I also want you to know that it's okay to be a wounded healer and to help people heal. That is not an imposter. That's wisdom. And so don't feel like just because you haven't fixed you, 
that you aren't worthy enough to help other people because you absolutely have the skills to do so. So you can absolutely help other people heal while having wounds that you're still healing and some that you actually have healed. Having this archetype, being this person means you're kind and compassionate and empathetic and sensitive. And you're a person who has special talent when you actually quiet your mind and all of your anxieties to know exactly what the patient needs. So know that this is going to be a process, just like being in school for forever, right? Welcome to life school again. (laughs) You got done with real school. Now you're back to life school. I know that it might be surprising and really catch you off guard. So here are some suggestions to becoming more resilient and developing the skills to do both at once. So in response to overcompensating, do less. I'm not kidding. Really, do less. If you do too much during your treatments anyway, you won't know what is working and you won't know what is working when it does. It's like prescribing formulas. When we were in school, we learned all of these formulas and then we learned, and then when we were in clinic, we learned how to identify what formula to use and when, and then how to modify it for the patient in front of us. So when I started treating with herbs on my own, I would start with just the basic formula And if the patient responded to that, then I would customize it. It's slow and it's learning, but it informed me how things worked. So don't do too much in your treatments. Do needles one day, and then if that doesn't shift something, then add a cups. But that's it. So this also bleeds into our third category of having poor boundaries. But we start with overcompensating, and that leads us to overtreat or go over the allotted treatment time. And then we feel depleted. And it also continues to lead to poor self-image if all of our efforts don't move the needle, right? So number two, boosting self-esteem. Boy, it really helps if you have a hobby outside of clinic that you're good at or enjoy doing or a family or you're a mommy and you're, you're, you're feeling confident in those skills. So your worth is not based on your patient load. Your worth is how you feel about yourself and actually might come from how you feel about all aspects of your life, not just work. So building self-worth may, may take looking at your trauma in the eye and getting help in the healing of it. And if healing into your practice and helping others resonates with you, be sure to subscribe because I'm going to go deep on topics that you will likely find helpful. But anyway, having something fun that empowers you outside of clinic will help you tap into that feeling when you're questioning your worth in your clinic. And then we can talk about how to use that to leverage mm, feeling more confident in your clinic, right? We'll talk about that in the future. So number three, having a great desire to help, but not having boundaries. So have your boundaries written down. So here are the policies that you need to have in place. You need to have a signed HIPAA and consent to treat, You need to have a cancellation policy and arriving late policies. So in other words, if they get there 20 minutes later, you're still going to treat them. You need to have money policies. So how are they going to pay you? They pay you each visit. What if they carry a balance? What are they going to do with that? Like you need to have these. And And then you don't just stop there because that's the normal business. Now here is the wounded healer part. You need to create a little maybe spreadsheet or a list of answers to every challenge to those policies. For example, if a patient no-shows, what are you going to do and say? 
And when are you going to charge them? And are you going to call to reschedule them? And how are you going to collect? Did you already collect their credit card on their first visit and you keep it on file? Or are you actually going to confront them on their next visit when they walk in the door or when they're checking out? I mean, how are you going to do this? And because your default is to be like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it this time. Don't, don't do that. That, that. that is a train wreck that will, you will be in hell. <laughs> you had to have these boundaries to start with. So I'm telling you like the wounded healer part is to create a, a, like a, a spreadsheet or a list of all of the answers to all of the questions. And um, I found, this is my little tip, I found that I basically just go back and say, I, my apologies, you know, like you cancel, you didn't give me, or you no-showed this appointment. And according to the policy that you signed on the first visit, um, I have to charge you because that's my policy. If they don't like that, if they don't want to come see you again, good riddance. Even if they were a great patient, you'll see. Hanging on to those people is not worth your time. It's not worth your money. Next, we, we have like, have your own personal boundaries and policies written for yourself. For example, no talking about your partner and children. No talk about where you went on vacation. No talking about your personal health issues. How are you going to circumvent questions about all of those topics? Because, oh, dear God, people are nosy and they want to know. And fine are you going to talk about your children and your spouse like whatever it's up to you but you really need to think about where that's going to go and is it in the patient's best interest and is it in the best interest of the time that you have allotted so what words are you going to use right all of your imaginary answers because hello you are not good at boundaries so this will not feel natural it will probably feel confrontational but it's not. If you set your boundaries and your expectations in the beginning, great patients will honor them and you. And people who continually push your boundaries can be invited to go elsewhere because that is why we set boundaries. More of the good, more of the easy flow, less of the confrontations, more of the easy patients, less of the challenging ones. So remember, this is a long process. You chose this because you know that you're a value to other people and you can help them. You will build a skill set here that feels right and self-nurturing and right for you. I promise this is, this is so important that you get this. So again, if you're doing something else, listen to me for just one second. I promise that there is somebody waiting for you who will become your biggest cheerleader. I swear it. I promise this. They are just waiting for you to show up as you, flawed and wounded, yet healthy and knowledgeable. Flawed and wounded, yet healthy and knowledgeable. They're waiting for you. So be sure and get out there and do this. Do not be too afraid to do it. And if you are, then please reach out to me. I love it when people email me. So I'm at hello at accusprout.com. If you haven't subscribed, be sure to do so because I have another episode, like I said, coming up about how to do business as a wounded healer and some helpful methods that I have used in my practice. You guys inspire me. I think we are the change that the world needs. I truly do. And I see it in you. So keep, keep at it. If you like this episode, it would be really, really helpful and amazing if you could leave a review either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts because it does make a difference. And then maybe you could tell your classroom 
(laughs) Tell your classmates about the podcast or tell some other practitioners. That would be so helpful. And again, anything I can do for you, just let me know. Take care. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.